Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 212. It's week 15 review. It's playoff time. I'll say first of all, man, it's so fun to have a week where you've got Saturday and Sunday games just in front of the TV watching all of them. And we had some, uh, week 15 delivered some pretty entertaining games. It was a blast to watch football all day on both days. I loved it. Uh, even though one of my four teams in the playoffs got knocked off by a late comeback Sunday night, at least I still have three teams in the semifinals next weekend. Anyway, enough about my teams. After following all the week 15 games, here are some of my observations from a dynasty perspective, as well as one guy that I might be, might be trying to pick up off the waiver wire this week. And then finally, there were still some trades in one of my leagues where there is no trade deadline. So let's talk about them all here. Uh, week number 15 observations. What a week. That's my first point. What a week. Before I really get into any dynasty takes, I must first just marvel at this week in the NFL. What a week. Man, we witnessed some great, the greatest comeback in NFL history when the Vikings you know, stormed back to beat the Colts after being down 33-0. Uh, we saw one of the craziest game-ending touchdowns in history when Chandler Jones, quote, intercepted. I guess it was technically a fumble. Um, a terrible backward pass, and then ran it back for a touchdown, stiff-arming Mac Jones to the ground. We saw the Cowboys lose in, in overtime on an interception that was returned for a touchdown. In fact, 12 of the 15 games so far have been decided by a touchdown or less, and three went into overtime. The entertainment value alone made for a very entertaining week, whether you won or lost in the fantasy playoffs, I hope you at least enjoyed the NFL. Sometimes you got to remind yourself of that when you get caught up in the emotions of just hating seeing your team lose. Okay, take a step back and appreciate the NFL, and there was a lot to appreciate this week. Second observation, I'll call it the tale of two halves, man. The Buccaneers, they shot out to a 17-point lead and held the Bengals scoreless until they kicked a field goal in the last play of the first half. But then the Bengals stormed out of the locker room uh, to dominate the second half, for- forcing two interceptions and two fumbles by Brady, uh, they, uh, who, whom they also held scoreless until there were 49 seconds left in the game. Pretty wild. Uh, fantasy ride appears to be over, in my opinion, for Tampa Bay. After Brady's you know, excellent play over the last couple of years, boosted his dynasty value and the dynasty value of all the Buccaneers players. Uh, the Bucs have only scored 20, more than 21 points two times this season. That's crazy. The Buccaneers have only scored 21 points or more, or scored more than 21 points two times this season. So either Tom Brady's finally on the decline, or not say that Bruce Arians' absence means more to the Bucs than they realized. Either way, the dynasty value of all the Buccaneers have fallen this year steadily, and perhaps, maybe with the exception of Rashad White, uh, everyone's trending down. Uh, bad news for the Bucks. Next, I'll call it uh, fun while it lasted. Uh, man, the hope, uh, my hope, you know, I hope to ride Jamal Williams and Dante Foreman into championships this season. I saw them as like sure bets to score at least one touchdown a week, but the last few weeks, uh, they still need to deliver and haven't had enough carries to start safely on our rosters. I benched Foreman um, in one game, this this one playoff game this week, and I'm glad that I did because Chuba Hubbard received twice as many snaps as Foreman did this week. Terrible. And then he also outscored him each of the last two weeks since the Panthers' bye weeks. I'm wondering if they maybe made a change there. Pretty terrible. Uh, Foreman is of no use. 
more surprising is the decreased opportunities that Jamal Williams is getting after leading the league in touchdowns this season with 14. Uh, he's not scored in the last two weeks, and he's had his lowest two scoring fantasy weeks of the season the last two weeks. Plus, he was outsnapped this week by Justin Jackson. Unbelievable. I can't uh, start either player in my, in my playoff match, matchups this week, but I may have to start Williams in one. Uh, from a dynasty perspective, Hubbard really is the back on the radar that you know I'd most most be interested in Carolina. Uh, Williams, you know, presence in Detroit continues to cut into DeAndre Swift's you know dynasty value. But now that Justin Jackson's getting in the mix, his reemergence on the dynasty landscape, if you want to call it that, puts a damper on both of them. Uh, There's pretty much split three ways in that backfield. Pretty annoying, and uh, don't think I'm going to be able to ride these guys into the playoffs like I thought. Next observation I'll call a rough start, uh, Desmond Ritter. He got the first start of his career, and he looked like a rookie against the Saints in that uh, ruckus home stadium of the, of the Saints. Uh, the Falcons played it safe by continuing to you know focus on their running game, giving Tyler Algier his most productive game as, as a rookie in his rookie season. Uh, 139 yards and a touchdown, 8.2 yards per carry for Algier. That was pretty nice. When they did pass, uh, Ritter only completed 50% of his passes for a minuscule 97 yards, 3.7 yards per completion. But at least he made Drake London his primary target, giving him 42% share. And of those 97 yards passing, 70 were Drake London's. Pretty crazy. Uh, he led the team to a fourth-quarter drive to get the team you know, within three, and he didn't throw an interception, so there are some signs of hope. I'm glad the Falcons are allowing him to start for the remainder of the season to see what they can, what they have in him before they decide what direction they're going to go in the NFL draft. Uh, he played well this preseason, so I thought that he'd get a chance earlier in this, uh, this season, um, earlier than this. I didn't think that he'd have to wait this long. The Falcons, crazily, they're still a playoff in the playoff race because the NFC South is so terrible. He'll play uh, uh, in competitive games coming up the next couple weeks, and dynasty managers, desperate to see Drake London and Kyle Pitts with a better quarterback, are going to know by the end of the season whether that is Ritter or whether Atlanta is going to be looking elsewhere uh, when it comes to the NFL draft. Next observation, I'll just call it a car bomb. Speaking of David Carr, Derek, Derek, not David Carr, Derek Carr. Derek Carr is one of my least favorite players to watch, and Sunday he drove me crazy. Now, the Raiders have become one of the most narrow offenses from a fantasy perspective, running everything through Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, but both disappointed on Sunday, while Carr spread the ball around more than usual. Very frustrating on a playoff week to see that. It's true that Bill Belichick and the Patriots are known for taking away the team's primary offensive weapon, but it was frustrating. His car just didn't even look at Adams' way most of the time. He was just looking elsewhere, like, immediately. It's like Adams wasn't even the first read on so many of the plays that I watched. It was very frustrating. It's true that Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro made their long-awaited return from IR, but it was Matt Collins who scored the most fantasy points in this in this game. Car looked terrible. He completed just 53% of, of his passes. He's only completed 55%. He's completed 55% or less for the last three weeks in a row. He's the new uh, Dalton scale. If you listen to the Around the NFL podcast, they created something called the Dalton scale, naming Andy Dalton as the, like, the prime meridian of quarterbacks, making him the average, and the rest of the quarterbacks are either below or above the Dalton scale. The Dalton's surprisingly still starting for the season. Uh, they should change the name to the Car scale. I'm admittedly venting a little bit here because I lost a playoff game this week because Adams played so poorly. Uh, and I also, in that same game, played against Mac Hollins, <laughs> and that's the game that I lost late last night. I never liked Carr. I'm worried about Adams for next week. Um, at least, you know, in the other league where I have Adams, I got a bye week, and so I kind of escaped, you know, that one. It's going to be, he'd never bench, he'd never bench Adams for sure, but Derek Carr, 
you are making things very difficult for me to watch and like and cheer for Adams. Next one I'll call out of nowhere. Referring to the Kansas City running back position, it continues to be an enigma. Uh, Jarek McKinnon did it again this week, scoring 30 fantasy points after scoring 29 last week. Since the Chiefs' bye week, McKinnon has been heavily involved in the passing game, averaging four catches per game, and then he had a total of 15 catches the last two weeks. Uh, this week, he had a season-high 10 carries, too, because Isaiah Pacheco was pulled uh, for about a quarter after fumbling. Uh, McKinnon won the game for the Chiefs on his 26-yard touchdown run in overtime. Amazing that Houston forced overtime against Kansas City. We all know that Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, they, they continue to be Mahomes' top two targets. But now McKinnon is his third. Mahomes is the third in the league in passing attempts and completions. He's first in the league in passing yards, making whoever is his third most targeted player a viable fantasy starter here in our fantasy playoffs. Every year it seems like there's one player that comes out of nowhere and impacts fantasy playoffs this year. It very well could be McKinnon, much to the chagrin of, player, of Pacheco's managers who wanted him to be the star here at the end of the season. Next observation I'll call Sinners and Saints. Have to do that here as a pastor, Sinners and Saints. And this is what I mean. There's an alarming trend in New Orleans that makes me want to call the Saints Sinners, we'll say. They continue to substitute players at an alarming rate, taking the most fantasy-relevant players off the field at a time where dynasty managers need them the most in the playoffs here. Rashid Shahid led the Saints wide receivers in snaps with 71% this week, compared to Chris Olave's 49%. That's Olave's lowest count of the season, except for week five when he got injured. That's terrible news for managers who need Olave in the playoffs. And with Mark Ingram out uh, on IR, I thought this would be Alvin Kamara's highest touch game, but he received the fewest number of snaps of any game in the season, just 34 snaps. David Johnson, of all, of all people, received 18 snaps on Sunday. The Saints aren't just toying around with Taysom Hill this season. They're doing it with, with lots of players on their teams. It's very annoying. They started doing it with everyone, making everyone you know less reliable from a fantasy standpoint. Juwan Johnson did have a great fantasy day with his two catches, but even he only played 51% of the snaps. Dawson uh, Troutman was actually paid, uh, got more snaps, almost double the snaps that he did. I don't know if this is, you know, the game plan specific, you know, for Atlanta, or if they just decided, you know, when coming out of their bye week, this is what they're going to do, mix it up. But it's not welcome for dynasty managers, and it was really, really frustrating, particularly since I have a lave in many leagues, in some of my leagues where I have playoff games, you know, where I'm still in the playoffs. Next guy, similarly, I'll mention, I'll say, Joe No. Oh, no, Joe No. Similarly, Joe Mixon. Uh, he's not getting enough touches to carry dynasty teams in the playoffs. Uh, before getting injured a few weeks ago, Mixon had a 72% snap rate. Since then, he's dropped to 61%. Uh, he touched the ball 16 times the last two weeks, each of the last two weeks 16 times, but he's not really helped fantasy teams who need more than that from their starting running back. Uh, since his 53-point outing in, in Week 9, he's averaged just 9 points per game. He's yet to score a touchdown. Remove the 53-point game, 53 point game from his record, and then he's only averaging 11.5 points per game on the season. That's not helpful for dynasty managers. The Bengals have the 11th highest pass-to-run ratio of the season, too, passing on 58.8% of their passes. Thankfully, Mixon has been more involved in the passing game this season, averaging four catches per game, so that's the only reason that he's been even playable this season. Aside from his four-touchdown game, he's only scored two rushing, rushing touchdowns the rest of the season. That's the same amount as he scored through the air, two passing touchdowns. Overall, Mixon has disappointed Dynasty managers pretty bad this season. I'm shocked that I advanced in the, to the semifinals in one league where I have Mixon on my roster. Uh, he's probably not going to help me this next week at this rate. Pretty frustrating. 
Let's talk just a little bit of waiver wire. One thing here, um, remember that I play in deep leagues, 300 to 360 players, so there's very little, you know, slim pickings out there. But the only player I'd be interested in adding this week would be uh, Salvin Ahmed. Ahmed reappeared on the Dynasty landscape on Saturday <clears throat> when he played 24% of the snaps and scored a touchdown while filling in for Jeff Wilson while he was injured for Miami. Um, it could be, you know, the freshest leg thing that I've mentioned in the last couple of weeks. It seems like there's always some freshest leg person that comes in that just looks faster because they are just seeing their first playing time for the season. Uh, that could be the case, but he looked pretty great on a six carry. He's had 7.2 yards per carry um, in this game. Uh, he was a sleeper pick of mine back in the 2020 class after he signed with Miami as an undrafted free agent. Uh, he had a very productive career at, at the University of Washington, so I was surprised that he didn't get drafted that year. And he and his college teammate, uh, Miles Gaskin, were viable fantasy starters for a bit during 2020. And they've been dropped by most dynasty managers since then, though. Both are on the roster still, but Achman uh, got touches ahead of Gaskin, who didn't touch the ball this week. I don't even know if he was active. Uh, three weeks ago, it was Gaskin, but this time it was Achman. Um, it's very crowded backfield in Miami, but I looked it up this week, and all four running backs' contracts expire at the end of the season. So who knows who's going to resign, if any, with the team. Uh, that makes Ahmed at least interesting to me, you know, to add in very, very deep leagues. A couple of trades that took place in my leagues, I'll just mention them brief briefly. Um, I, I think I mentioned this last week, but there's one league that I'm in that has, um, that has, uh, still has the trade trade open. And uh, in this league, rookie draft, it's a rookie draft, and actually auction draft. And so each pick, 1.1 to 5.14, it's a 14-team league, each pick is worth a certain amount of money. And so if you earn the 1.1, you get that much money. If you are, you know, finish first and then you get the 1.4, you get the money that, that that's allocated for the 1.14. So makes sense? Anyway, the auction money uh, makes this very different. So the manager that just joined, there's one uh, orphan team that was taken over late this season. And the manager that uh, took over the orphan team is just going nuts, compiling all the 2024 picks that he can. At first he was going after 2023 picks, but then he just started selling those 2023 picks to just compile all that he can, all the money that he can, auction money that he can in 2024. And so some of these trades don't look that good on paper. They maybe look lopsided, but I'm just giving you an advance warning that these three trades were made by that one team that's just doing everything he can to acquire 2024 picks and all the money associated with each each of those picks. That said, I'll still tell you what the, what the, what the, um, what the, uh, trades were. There are three of them. Uh, James Robinson was traded for a 2024 third. Uh, he likely made this trade offer to everyone in the league because he sent it to me, but I actually decided to reject it. I think Robinson's future is too uncertain. Uh, he most certainly will not be back with the Jets after his contract expires. And then with the new crop of rookie running backs that are coming in this next season uh, from uh, an NFL draft, I really doubt that Robinson's going to get a starting role with an NFL team again. He sure was an awesome breakout surprise in his rookie season, but his dynasty value has steadily declined since then, so I chose to keep my third-round pick or the money associated with my third-round pick. Um, but the other manager was willing to, to give his away for Robinson at that price. Next one was Chig Oconquo, was traded for a 2024 second-round pick. Now, this is tied in premium league, so I actually prefer Chig side of this trade um, either way, on paper or given the uniqueness of this you know league with the money allocated to the second pick, second-round pick. Jake's making a late breakout at the end of this rookie season, and he's going to become a future starter, starting tight end for the Titans after Austin Hooper's contract expires. I'd be, I would be gladly trade a second-round pick for Chig in the 14-team league, especially when it's a tight end premium league. Uh, so I like the Chig side of that trade for sure. And then one more trade that this manager made, he traded Brock Purdy 
He had a 2023 first-round pick. It was actually my pick that I traded to him. Uh, Brock Purdy and a uh, first-round pick for 2024, first, second, and third-round picks. So like I told you, this guy's willing to sell a first-round pick in 2023 to put all of his money into 2024. Uh, a playoff team that needed a second quarterback in a Superflex league uh, paid up to get Purdy, uh, who helped his team advance in the playoffs this week. He did win, and Purdy was in his starting lineup. It's nice to see you know your team advance in the playoffs, but I think that he gave up way too much for Purdy, especially since next week he's likely going to have Lamar Jackson back in his lineup, and he's going to have to decide between who he's going to start. If Lamar comes back, he's going to have to decide between Tom Brady and Purdy. So he's already got Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, plus he has Tyler Huntley on his team that he could have started while Lamar Jackson was injured. And so he just, just thought that Purdy was worth worth the risk, and he did it. Uh, the only way that you know he wins this side of the trade, in my opinion, is if he wins a Super Bowl. You could you could argue that no trade, any trade, is worth it if it helps you win, or if Purdy plays well enough to become the future starter, like I talked about last year. If he does that, then he definitely wins a side of the trade. But right now, I just don't think, it, given the teams, the rosters on each team, that this was worth um, worth a trade, fair trade, and a trade in a, in a league like this. But this manager didn't have to make that trade to stay alive in the playoffs, in my opinion. All right. That's what's happened in my leagues. Like I said, I advanced to the finals in three three of my nine leagues. Or not the finals, the semifinals. So hopefully uh, more news to come. Hopefully your teams are doing as well. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, contact me anytime at contact me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. Much better on email than I am on Twitter. So contact me that way. I'd be honored to talk with you. I'd also be honored if you rate and review the podcast for me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do in the playoffs. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.